Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome back to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters. And uh, we are here for uh, part two of our episode on Ghost of Tsushima. Or, sorry, Ghost of Tsushima. That's that's how it's actually pronounced. Mom's making sushi. Mom's making sushi. <laughs> Mom's <laughs> a sushi. It's kind of like mom's spaghetti, but you know. She's nervous. Bum 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 bum. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um. All right. So when we left off, we were kind of getting into uh, the gameplay and the story of Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit more to talk about on both of those topics, uh, and we're also gonna be talking about you know the overall execution of of you know Ghost of Tsushima and also. Uh, you know where where could this go in the future? What could we see out of a sequel? You know what I mean? But um, I think Zach actually has a little bit of news to share. Oh yeah, um, I kind of shared this a little bit on the bonus round that we did, but this is pretty cool. Uh, do you want me to start with the uh, my personal thing? Or yeah, the, yeah. The, okay, um, okay. So this is really awesome. But after talking with some of the uh, workers at well managers and writers at ZeldaDungeon.net, I am very pleased to announce that I have taken a position as a writer slash content creator for ZeldaDungeon.net. And this is really huge because Ash and I have grown up absolutely loving Zelda and the fact that I get to do this podcast with him and then um, just go and create content and basically live a life that's <laughs> revolving around the Legend of Zelda. It's pretty incredible. I'm really blessed to have this opportunity and eventually I'm going to try to get Ash in there too because they're always looking for new content creators and Ash would be perfect for it. But yeah, this is a blessing. I'm super excited, and I can't wait to see where the series goes. This is this year is the 35th anniversary of The Legend of Zelda, and I am more than stoked to, just absolutely more than stoked to get on board with this. Uh, shout out to Andy Spatiri and Allison Aletha from Zelda Dungeon and the Champions Cast, which is a podcast and that focuses solely on Zelda. If you guys haven't heard that, you should check it out. It's really good. It's on all platforms. I listen to it quite a bit. But yeah, that's... That's my big share. I'm really excited. I am very blessed and grateful for the opportunity. But yeah, yeah. We like Zach mentioned. We we mentioned that on our last bonus round episode, game recommendations too. But I just wanted to get that out there on the on the uh, main episode as well because that is such a cool opportunity. And man, if I do get the opportunity to work with you on that, I I would be a happy boy. I would be like a We'd, giddy schoolboy. 
We'd be a good team on it too, because we we've got a lot of stuff that we can. Co- I mean, when we do episodes on Zelda on this podcast, I mean, <laughs> I, we do it for every single episode. But there's something special about the Legend of Zelda, and it just causes us to go all out. And I I, I love it. It's just no holds barred on these episodes, and I like shooting the shit and talking about good games. So, one hundred percent, dude. One hundred and ten percent. Don't give me that weak shit. <laughs> Anybody that knows collateral gaming knows we are super big fans of Zelda. I mean, that is our both Zach and I. Zach's and my favorite video game series of all time, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Fo- followed closely by Metroid. Followed. Clo- but- I was about to say followed closely by Metroid. Yeah, but there's not <laughs> enough Metroid content to keep up with the Zelda content, and until there is, Zelda's the flagship. Uh, Zelda's the flagship mainstay game series for us. I don't know if I said that correctly. If I didn't, who gives a fuck? <laughs> but you know what? Another game that is going to enter my favorite video games of all time is Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, it's a good one. Man, uh, this is another like just one-off game that just impressed me so much as a standalone game like God of War did to really warrant being on, you know, like probably my top five games, top ten games of all time. I mean, it's not fair because technically if you were to take my top five games of all time, they'd all be like Zelda games. But barring that, saying the Zelda series as a whole <laughs> is number one, yep. you know, um, that, then, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But Ghosts of – I guess we'll we'll get right into it, right where we were at before. Yeah, we weren't – we didn't really get a chance to dive into the story and, like, where it starts and how this whole thing just kind of snowballs into becoming – we just kind of talked a lot about the side content. Um, but, yeah, uh, in the year 1274, a Mongolian invasion fleet led by the Khotan clan lands on the Japanese island of Tsushima. And uh, Jin Sekai, which is our main character, joins with the island's local samurai to sort of – you know, try and repel this invasion alongside uh, Lord Shimura, which is leading the samurais into battle. And this absolutely ends in disaster. Uh, yeah. Hardly hardly any of them survive. Jin is left to die on the battlefield while Lord Shimura is captured. And I, I, I was blown away just by the beginning of this game. The opening was they just literally threw you in and it yes. was kind of like it was kind of like other advanced games where they kind of treat you like you've played a video game before they were like okay you're here yeah have at it <laughs> go, basically go yeah do it there's like some minor tutorial like do this press this to do this like but you're kind of you're kind of just you know in it uh, and the whole beginning of the game oh go ahead go ahead go ahead no no go for it I was just going to say, basically, once this happens, this whole sequence kind of dies out, and your Jin is left for dead. Lord Shimura is captured. You awaken and uh, to find that you ha- were grievously wounded and found by a local thief named Yuna, who kind of sheltered you and nursed you back to health. And in that moment, she kind of tells Jin that most of Tsushima has already fallen to the Mongol invasion, and that they're kind of on their own trying to figure out what to do, so they... You know, there's there's a few people that they have to recruit, but before that, they kind of just storm the Koton stronghold, and Jin tries to, uh, at Castle Kanata, when he tries to rescue uh, Lord Shimura, he's defeated by Koton himself and thrown over the bridge, and that's where the game really gets going. Yeah. So, it's it's a beautiful intro to a game, and it's just... 
it's wonderful. So we and oh man, go ahead, Ash. Before I like go cataclysmic. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically where the game picks up after that. Is is uh, and there's that beautiful montage moment. So that whole section of storming Komodo Beach, which is a real life historical event where 80 samurai faced a Mongol invasion, and there were no survivors. In this game, uh, Gene and his and Lord Shimura are the survivors, right? But uh, anyway. After that whole prologue segment, that just that one scene where you're riding on horseback going through the fields of the pampas grass is just beautiful. And the music, and oh. I'm just that was the moment where like I knew this was gonna be a fantastic fucking game. That's the moment where like I just fell in love, you know, like this is a beautiful game. And after that whole section that you played that already is tugging at your heartstrings and, and making you emotionally invested in these characters. Uh, and you're already getting a feel for how uh, Gene, uh, the relationship that Gene has with his uncle. Uh, there's even some flashback sequences that are used to kind of teach you how to, uh, the, the tutorial segment for for sword fights, you know, and for dueling, which which really helps out. And you're already, like, in this whirlwind. And Gene, as a character, you're already starting to get uh, a feeling for his motivations and his uh, character, as you know, as a whole. And throughout the rest of the game, of course, Gene, as we explained in the last podcast, has to struggle with this idea of holding to the the, the samurai code, the bushido, or you know, basically doing whatever is necessary to protect his people. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. know bushido, there are basically eight aspects of of honor. This game decided to focus on two of those. Honor and and loyalty. And the most important thing for a samurai was loyalty. Uh, Loyalty was was just loyalty to your master. And in Gene's case, that's the Jito. So that's why it's so heartbreaking whenever Gene ends up going against Lord Shimura and and storming, you know, uh, Castle Shimura on his own and and resorting to tactics that uh, Shimura doesn't agree on is... That's a big deal in their culture, right? I oh, mean, yeah. the samurai's ultimate loyalty is to his master, and he has to do what his master does no matter what. And ultimately, this was the downfall of the samurai. And go- looking back in historical context, I was watching the director's commentary that was included in the Digital Deluxe Edition. I went ahead and I upgraded, and I watched this whole director's commentary, which, by the way, is fantastic. Um, one of the things that that was that I found out was a real life Kamakura era historian was impressed by the level of detail and authenticity that this game had to offer, and Gene's struggle, his inner struggle with conforming to the samurai code or um, or versus you know doing what needs to be done, what is ba- you know is actually was a real life thing. There were a, a sect of samurai that felt that it was not as important to be loyal to your master, but to do whatever was necessary to protect the people, you know, because if there's yep. no people to protect, who are you? A samurai historically was willing to die defending, you know, being loyal to his master. It didn't matter. And yep. upon dying, his family would get a plot of land. So ultimately, that was what was better. You know, he just, the samurai were, were willing to lay down their lives. That's just what they did. But, you know, around. And they, they, they kind of really stick that to you, too, yes. showing all of the flashbacks to Jin's training with his uncle about honor and decency. And they, of course, they walk you through how to, like, use the different weapons and stuff like that. But yeah. It's the interactions between Shimura and Jin that really, like, just pound. 
that historical accuracy into you and that code of honor and loyalty. And honestly, those cutscenes kind of lay the foundation for what is the most mind-boggling and emotional story in a story game that I have played yeah. to this day. And that's what makes this game so beautiful. There's so much... I mean, it, it literally, the setting of this game is 1274 in... Uh, Kamakura-era Japan, yeah. Kamakura-era Japan, yeah, that's what it is. And it's just, it's to the letter, minus, you know, Jin surviving, even though they all died. You know, it's accurate, and it's beautifully done. Well, there's some historical inaccuracies that are done for creative liberty, like some of the armor and the use of the hawacha and some other things, uh, widespread use of the katana, are not technically historically accurate, but within reason to they want to yeah. tell a story and and like i said this was we mentioned last podcast this game received a perfect score in famitsu that means something you know that means that that they were uh the japanese were thoroughly impressed even even with some liberties being taken you know they really felt like this game and kamakura era japan is actually one that's not as well told in media um, usually they like to focus on Edo period Japan, I think is the main one. Um, but this is this is kind of an interesting history. But uh, so like we said before, Sucker Punch wanted to focus on the Mongol invasion of Tsushima and the Mongol invasion of Japan. Felt that that was just a perfect setting to to just dive into this story and, and see a character who had to deal with that struggle of okay, if I if I hold to my honor, if I if I you know only focus on loyalty we're gonna die you know which is what actually we're happened not gonna get this done <laughs> yeah yeah and that's dude oh my god <sighs> speaking of which okay no, and we talked about this outside of the podcast but we teased it before um what ending what 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 ending choice did you pick because at the end of the game well, well, sorry, I guess I'll provide a little bit of context before I let you say that. Uh, but at the end of the game, you have the choice whether to spare or kill Lord Shimura, right? Because Lord Shimura, at the end of the game, you've defeated Koten Khan, you've killed him, beheaded him, left him on a burning ship to die, and all is good, except uh, Shimura has been told by the Shogun that uh, they want Jean's head now. And because Jean is become, becoming the ghost of Tsushima is a threat to the hierarchy of the samurai and to the hierarchy of the mm -hmm. Shogun, Right. So yep. and and you know so at this point Gene is a target and uh, Clan Sakai has been disbanded. No matter what choice you pick, that doesn't change the outcome. But Lord Shimura has has been tasked to kill Gene, and so you duel him, you win, and then you're given a choice. Uh, Shimura wants you to kill him, give him a warrior's death, as uh, and or you can choose to spare him and fully embrace the role of the ghost and say fuck the samurai code. Go ahead. That that's what I chose to do. I chose to spare him and give one final fuck you to Lord Shimura. Just considering <laughs> the fact that you know, I mean, yeah, killing him would have given him a warrior's death, but honestly, with everything that happens in the game, killing him would have been a mercy, one that he did not deserve. And I Okay. Personally, I personally, I mean, if, once I play through it again cuz you know I will. I'm going to do the new game plus. Um, I'll kill him just, you know, to experience that different ending. Cause I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the other ending, but I, 
it doesn't matter what happens. Family is family. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure if you choose to execute Lord Shimura, there's going to be some sort of emotional sequence where, like, Jin just loses his mind and starts crying or, like, holds him close as he's dying in his arms and just lets him go and then fully embraces the role. But considering the fact that no matter what happened, despite the choice, I chose to spare him. Just as one final, yeah, screw the code. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'll just do what I want, and I'll I'll protect these people on my own account. This people, these people. Sorry, I'm not gonna lie. It was a hard choice for me. Part of me for a, a you know, uh, part of me really wanted to just to, to to kill him like like he wanted to, um, because ultimately that was that would be the last way of Gene honoring the bond that they had, and maybe this would be the last samurai thing he did before severing ties. But no, I thought at this point. Gene's character, I felt like he just didn't care about that anymore. He was above that. He was thinking, you know, I'm no longer bound by this, and I don't think the right thing to do is to die a warrior's death. I think the right thing to do is to continue living so you can help protect the people that depend on you. And also, that's his only family he has left, and he mentions that very early on. And I respect that. And I don't know, maybe maybe Shimura is going to commit seppuku anyway because he failed in his task, but... As Gene, I can have good conscience saying, I didn't have a part in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't make that decision. And maybe it causes Lord Shimura to think, what am I going to do? I'm really interested to see what happens in the sequel. Because, I mean, I think there's definitely going to be a sequel. And what is going to be the canon choice? <laughs> yeah, because let's let's see. Like, you chose to spare him and then you just walk away. What if there was a cutscene where as you're walking away, Shimura doesn't accept your choice and commits seppuku? You know, being that he did not... That could completely set up a story all on its own for a second game where Lord Shimura comes to his senses and they work together to clear Jin's name and restore ultimate peace to Tsushima without a worry of a ghost out there. Because in actuality, Jin's heart and his the reason he raises his blade, the reason he draws his sword is to protect his people and his land. And it was his family until, you know, Shimura disbanded Clan Sekai and ordered his execution. Or the Shogun did. I should. Well, Shogun, sorry. Sorry. No, you're you're good. I mean, Shimura was acting under the Shogun's orders. And the way I see it, in my personal opinion, and I guess we're we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. I normally talk about you know the future later, but fuck it. So I think integration, my man, integration. <laughs> I think a future sequel would probably look outside of Japan or outside of sorry outside of Tsushima and go to mainland Japan with Gene kind of encountering the mount because the Mongol invasion moved on from there, right? So I mm-hmm. I think it would be cool. And plus we've already seen the Tsushima Island. I mean, are they really gonna do the same map twice? So I, I think the logical progression here, if there is a sequel, maybe this is a one and done tale and there's they don't want to go further, but I would like to see uh Gene kind of move to the mainland and uh join the forces with there. They could call it like something like like uh, something of Tsushima that that uh, <laughs> that like shows his his lineage back to Tsushima. You know, he's he's a warrior from Tsushima, but now he's fighting in in, in mainland Japan now, where tales of the ghost have actually reached there, and people are kind of aware because he's he's achieved this legendary status, like the mm-hmm. the legendary uh, uh, mi- uh, quests that you go on. Did you do any of those? Any of like the legendary missions where you recover like a legendary armor or bow or? Mm-mm. I did what I could to get through the story as fast as I could to record part one. And ever since then, 
Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, I've been playing a lot of Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh and hell yeah! I've also been been playing a lot of uh, just Overwatch, Rocket League, that kind of stuff. I, I, I wanted to get the story done so that we could talk about it, but I when I do my new game plus, I'm going to try to do everything yeah. in the game because I won't be um, <coughs> sorry, I won't be <laughs> I won't be pushing to try to you know get some content in my brain. Okay, so I 100 in this game. I did everything that this game had to offer and i also platinumed it the only thing i haven't done is really i haven't gone too much into the legends gameplay and um i've started my new game plus but i haven't beat it yet but i i've gotten uh i'm, I'm well into the first act and I'm, and I'm playing it in kurosawa mode now uh with lethal plus difficult and man it is hard <laughs> um those sword duels are even harder when you're in black and white because you can't see the blue versus red and glints but there is a sound that plays and you also can you also kind of memorize the patterns and stuff but it is much harder and i found myself like in a lot of cases instantly reacting and wanting to to parry when i'm supposed to dodge or dodge when i'm supposed to parry uh, <laughs> and so it, yeah. it makes it a lot more difficult because you actually have to watch the enemy pay attention to what they're about to do and then react at the last split second, and you can do a perfect parry or a perfect dodge. Yeah, Kurosawa mode kind of gives you... Uh, I mean, obviously, we couldn't do it ourselves, but it kind of gives you the notion of how to react as a samurai. Yes. Like, how to react as a swordsman. And it's pretty cool. Can't say that, or can't say otherwise. It's pretty dope. But Kurosawa mode, I, I like it. It's just the graininess. It's something to play on your second playthrough. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, the graininess kind of bothered me in the beginning. I wanted to kind of experience this game for the first time in full color, and I didn't do it in Japanese. I played yeah. it in English um, just because I started the game in English, and I'm very particular about yeah. my my languages. If I start something in English, I want to finish it in English because there's different voice actors for the languages. So, you know, it's, it's a different experience altogether. So once I do New Game Plus, I might do it in Japanese all the way through. I don't know. Yeah, I... I've played through both now, and I think that they're both excellent. By the way, did you know, and I didn't know this on our last episode, uh, Kazuya Nagai, the voice actor for uh, Jin Sakai, is the voice actor for Roronoa Zoro in One Piece. Well, I don't watch One Piece, but that is dope. And that means that he's getting good work, and I'm very happy for him because Ghost of Tsushima and One Piece are both very huge. So kudos to him. One Piece is, is one of those anime that I've... Uh, I have had a lot of difficulty getting into, but like mid story arc, I, I tend to I tend to enjoy it more. And uh, Zoro is one of the characters that I actually enjoy more from the story. And I decided to watch a couple episodes and see. And yeah, I mean, I can kind of I can definitely tell that's the same voice actor that plays Jin Sakai uh, in the Japanese version, which uh, is the version I, I played my first playthrough through. But now I'm I'm kind of experiencing an English dub, or sorry, not really a dub, but just the English version. And because that's the original version, <laughs> the Japanese is the dub in this case. But it's interesting to see the characters and hear their voices played yeah. differently. In fact, I've been kind of switching in and out of Kurosawa mode in my new game plus, sometimes to experience the game in English with full color. Because I will say, I, I think your first playthrough of this game should be in color because one, it's much, much easier. And two, uh, the game is so beautiful, you're kind of missing out. But playing it in Kurosawa mode is something that you can turn on for like a little bit or or play through like in New Game Plus um, on and off. And and it's a lot of fun because it really does remind you a lot of those old uh, Kurosawa films like 
Seven Samurai, like Yojimbo. Yeah, and it also, once you've done a lot of the stuff in the game, or at least visited most of the parts of Tsushima, and you've seen the whole island for its beauty and its glory, you can kind of get a different perspective on it in Kurosawa mode. Like, how would this look if I was watching yeah. a movie called Ghost of Tsushima? Like an old Kurosawa-style film, and it's just beautiful to think about, because when you put that much detail into different rendering modes for a game, it just shows the level of intimacy and care that was put into a game. Like, if you played The Last of Us Part Two, once you finish the game, you unlock these modifiers for the story that will allow you to literally play the game in almost any render mode possible. Like, you could do, like, 1980s punk. You could do everyone's a zombie <laughs> and the, the actual infected are humans. But we're not talking about that. It's just, it's really cool to see... The, the level of detail that's put into just the render modes and the way the game is played rather than just the story yeah. and the side content. Because Ghost of Tsushima has hours and hours and hours of playable content, but you can do it in multiple render modes. And you know that took a ton yeah. of time to put together. You, it's just, Sucker Punch did such an amazing job with this game. And it's still a baby. Honestly, it came out... When did it come out? Like June, July of June, June or July of last year? Yeah. Yeah. So it's still a baby. I remember when we did our infamous Second Son, which was one of the very first episodes we did on, on Collateral Cinema, uh, or sorry, Collateral Gaming. <laughs> we <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima had been announced, but I don't think there was a lot of information about it yet. Um, and that was a good two years ago. So uh, I, I remember. I remember though. I remember talking about it and not having known a whole lot about it, but knowing it was a Japanese game. But what I'm really in, in, in impressed by is again the level of authenticity of being a samurai game but also uh uh gene is kind of a proto ninja right and this is an era before the ninja came about but and so that's why he's called the ghost but you get to use kunai you get to use smoke bombs you get to use black powder bombs and and wind chimes and firecrackers and, and all the ghost weapons are really a lot of a lot of fun to use and you you really feel like both a samurai and the ninja at the same time, and it's awesome. Um, and and you really get to get a feel for that not only when you go through the story, but if you do any of the side quest content, because of course there's a lot of outposts all throughout Tsushima. A lot, a lot. of outposts. <laughs> I pretty much did those as I came across them. I love the outposts too because they give you these little bonus objectives. Yes, like you can that that make them that much harder. So you. Like, you have to do the outpost most of the time, unless you're just a god at this game. You have to do them multiple times to get these objectives right because <laughs> yes. they're difficult. Like, they're not just sneeze on the grass. It's not like that kind of stuff. <laughs> sneeze on the grass with your sword. No, there are times where you have to, like, sneak up and kill. Like, what are, what are they called? The commanders of each outpost. Like, the leaders. It's like the, I think they call them leaders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you have to, like, specifically kill them in some some way. Like, there will be times where you have to kill a or certain observe them with a certain type of... St yeah, yeah, with a certain type of stance. You know, it's really cool. And the stances in this game. The stances Are in fun. this game. Yeah. They're so much fun. Oh, my gosh. And... It just and switching from one stance to another, like mid combo, you know, it just really feels so fleshed out and cool, and and it's just such an awesome brush fighting against all these enemies. That like we mentioned before, open combat is just as fun as uh, assassinating is, as stealth gameplay is. <laughs> yeah. But just don't bite off more than you can chew, because open combat, especially in lethal mode, 
gets really difficult when there's a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, and lethal though, two hits will kill you. One hit will put you on like the brink of death, and then the other hit will put you down. And if you have enough resolve to do Iron Will, you can do that and kind of get yourself back up again. But um, it's it, it's it's very difficult. It is indeed. Yeah, but most enemies will go down in one or two hits as well. So that that's what makes it better. But it fundamentally changes the way that you play the game. So I recommend that once you've kind of played through the game and one mode maybe in your new game plus try it in lethal plus because it really changes the game and it actually feels more realistic you know yep except for you know the boss battles and stuff boss battle <laughs> those big yeah. duels with main characters and those they're they're inhuman in lethal plus <laughs> yeah the duels apparently they, you don't get a lot of you, you it still takes quite a few hits to get them in but less um, but i had a lot of difficulty with it because like i said you make you fuck up, then you're done. <laughs> and it's hard. I, Which, I mean, works for, you know, samurai history, because if they screwed up, they were dead. Yeah, it's really realistic. Like, you, you're in a real duel. So if you if, if you feel like trying to experience that lethal mode, I, I would definitely recommend it once you've really, really gotten some experience with the game and you've you've uh, really understand the dodge, block, and parry system. Yeah. Like, again, it is... You really have to be on point, and you have to like for me. I have to turn my brain off, and I have to specifically focus on the enemy. It's really difficult for me because I want to do something, and I have it in my head. Okay, I'm gonna dodge. Okay, I'm gonna parry before it actually happens, and that gets me into trouble. So you have to actually sit there, watch the enemy, wait for what they're to do, and react in like a split second, and and uh, with wh whether you're gonna dodge or whether you're gonna parry, and it really makes a difference because you can't parry unblockable attacks at the same time um if you try to dodge an attack that it was parryable usually they'll get you on the second hit because mm -hmm. it, it there usually will follow up in two hits and so you have to really either do a dodge roll or dodge twice or dodge and parry it's difficult <laughs> you really have to think and you're on your feet constantly uh, i really 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 enjoy the combat in this game i thought it was done well again this is something that it, really feels like assassin's creed in a lot of ways but it's more fluid assassin's creed if they actually took their time and developed a game that was fully fleshed out because we mentioned this before in our valhalla episode this is a great game it's a great concept it's just i feel like ubisoft really wastes their potential by developing these games so quickly mm -hmm. imagine if they had the amount of time that was spent on a game like this and we finally got to see it exactly and that's what this game is being compared to a lot is it's being compared to as the feudal japan assassin's creed that everybody has always wanted but it's better because it's more detailed and these companies like ubisoft kind of focus they they produce these games so quickly because it's becoming more about money than it is about entertaining the players that support the company like it, yeah. that's why that's why it takes so long for nintendo to put out zelda and metroid games because when they finally come out they're masterpieces they're so much fun I mean, they announced Breath of the Wild in 2013. It, I, I always go back to Breath of the Wild. That will be a common theme <laughs> in this podcast. But it took them six years to develop Breath of the Wild. Why do you think Grand Theft Auto V is one of the most popular games of all time? Because it took them like seven or eight years to put it together. And there's so much stuff that you can do, and people still play it religiously to this day. And yes. that game's been out for years. It has been out for years. Skyrim, Ga same thing. Games like games like Rocket League, games like Overwatch, games that have been out since 2015 and 2016 have so much replayability because there's so much time and effort put into them. And they're free to play. 
That's that's the crazy thing. They open these games up for people to enjoy, and they make it so little about the money and so much about the enjoyment. Of course, there's like in-app, in-app, in-game purchases that you can make, but I mean, those are mainly cosmetic. It's not it's not pay to win like a lot of these games are. Like that's why I hate the Star Wars Battlefront games because if you have a bunch of money and you flesh it out, you know. You'll do really good, but if you're just trying to play the game to enjoy it and you don't have a lot of money to put into it, you're probably going to get crapped on. Yeah. And that's why games like Ghost of Tsushima, most of the stuff that you're looking for is cosmetic. You don't have to pay anything to increase your ability to win battles against the Mongols. You know, you just have to put time and effort into the game and learn the combat, which is so fluid. That's what I was going to try to get into earlier. Like, the combat in this game is amazing. Yeah. And... Like you said, they don't put a lot of time into the Assassin's Creed games, and so a lot of it feels clunky, overdone, or you're just overpowered when you shouldn't be. And when games are a challenge like this, it provides that much more intimacy and that much more enjoyable time. You know, it adds to the replayability of the game. I think I'll probably play Ghost of Tsushima like two or three times just because of how fluid and how influential this game is on future games to come. Because, yes, I know that, you know, there, there's... There is some things that could have been better about this game, like the smoothness of the character animations, but the cutscenes were priceless. Yes. And they transitioned well to the mission slash story elements that happened after that. But imagine a game like this coming out on the PS5 or whenever the PS6 comes out or the next Xbox. Imagine when they start releasing this stuff for like huge next-gen consoles and PCs. Imagine just the level of detail. It's almost going to look like it's happening before your very eyes in real life. But you're looking at a screen making it happen. It's mind-blowing. And Ghost of Tsushima, while it's, it's I'll say it's damn near a perfect game. It's really good. It is but damn near perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Just this is a this is kind of a peek into the future of these types of games, and it yeah. is breathtaking. It and this is was on the so PS4. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine what they had like. No, dude, go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, imagine what we're gonna see on the PS5, dude. Oh God, the next God of War game, dude. Oh, oh you're making me come. <laughs> Um, <laughs> cease your ramblings, Ashley. But an unexpected hit from Sucker Punch too, the developer of Sly Cooper and Infamous. I they would really not have us. expected this. And those are no, I'm just saying those are great franchises. This is just so out of left field. It's so different from anything mm-hmm. they've ever done. And yet, we mentioned this before. Some of some of the 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 platforming can be kind of seen here, so I can tell. But I wouldn't have guessed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it just shows what a very developer they are. What a, uh, They just have such a broad range of, of ability. And I really enjoy that. You know, when you play Ubisoft games, for instance, you can kind of tell, okay, this is a Ubisoft game. <laughs> and that's not to say that that's bad. Stick to what you know. Stick to what's good for you. But I also respect developers that can really break out of their shell and and just produce just about anything. It shows kind of the talent that you have. It's like actors, right? Some actors or, or directors even in, in the film world, you know, are good with certain styles and they're typecast and, and they're really, really, really good at that one particular style. But you really respect the actors who can do and directors who can do multiple types of, of movies and multiple types of roles. Uh, it, it shows you that they're not just good at one particular thing. They're just good at the actual you know, the actual job. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but. And I mean, why rush perfection? You can't. You know, literally none of these games are ever going to be perfect. It's it's never. That's why we say it's a damn near perfect game, because there will literally never a perfect game ever doesn't exist. <laughs> be, it doesn't exist. That, that's why perfection in real life doesn't exist. You know, you can have really damn good recordings of music. You can have, you can get a one hundred on an assignment, but that's just that's minor stuff. When it comes to art and true passion, that's like shown through these games or through a piece of music like a symphony. It's the flaws, yeah, that show progress and show the ability for the future to take hold because with a game like ghost of tsushima it doesn't just provide an experience that's breathtaking historically accurate in a lot of ways kind of and tells a beautiful story but it also opens up a path for future generations of games and like eventually we're gonna grow old and we're gonna we'll, we'll still play games but at some point you know our time will be done. And I know that that's deep. Sorry to get deep on this episode. <laughs> but the, these type of games are what inspire young designers to move forward into this path and start creating stuff like this. That's another reason why it's so fun to sit here and talk about this kind of stuff because we know we can see the possibilities. When it comes to video games, we're woke. And I don't <laughs> say that as a joke. I'm not... I know that that's kind of funny to say, but it's it's true, man. We've grown up playing stuff that has impacted us. Like, I cried like a baby the first time I played The Last of Us. Yeah. It broke my heart on so many levels. The relationship between Zelda and Link and Skyward Sword, I wanted them to be together. I was so emotional when Fee left and went back into the sword to sleep. And when you're faced with the choice of whether to spare your uncle or kill him, you're you're literally sitting there in an emotional dilemma. Like, how am I going to feel about this choice? Right. Regardless, the outcome is the same, but one path takes you down an emotional roller coaster, and the other one can potentially lead to guilt, grief, doubt. Should I have done this? Should I have done the other thing? And if they make a sequel to this, we will probably see that. Yeah. With Jin Sakai. You know, the only thing is, if they make a sequel, will they have branching paths at the start of the game? Like, what if they took your save data from your most recent file, and based on the choice you made, that's how the story progresses in the next game? Well, there's precedent for that. Infamous did that. Mm -hmm. Between Infamous 1 and Infamous 2, uh, actually taking your save data from the first game and determining, you know, you could come into the game, kind of the same thing as Mass Effect, with all those decisions already made and your character already like that. So I wouldn't be surprised, but there's still going to be, I'm sure, like a canon choice and in my opinion mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's spare and that's the choice that i made as well if i didn't make that clear before mm-hmm. because for me the game was a transformation of gene of of uh an awakening an awakening right it's it's he's he's shedding the old skin of samurai and 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 needless deaths by honor and he's transforming into this new role and i decided that it was best to embrace that role to be the ghost and to 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 become something new you are a samurai bound to uphold the code to live fight with honor. If you stray from this path, 
come. This game kind of, it's not just an amazing game, it's inspiring because a lot of people think that their life is kind of, you know, predestined for them. Like, just like Jin Sakai grew up in the way of the samurai, you know, he was scared and couldn't help his father and it led to his father's death. And so Lord Shimura took him under his wing and taught him the way of the samurai. And so that's how, bless you, dab on him. <laughs> and, um... So that's why Gene grew up in the way of the samurai, and that's why his mind and his way, his view of the world was so impacted by the way of the samurai because he grew up in that belief system. But this game, like you said, is him transforming, saying that he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to have needless death. He doesn't have to shed blood, even his own, just for honor's sake. And a lot of people who play this game can take that in stride. You yeah. know, you can do what you want. You can make whatever you want your life to be. You can make it happen. It's just, and don't let yourself be limited, you know, by what you think is in front of you. Because you can choose to move forward regardless. And I think that that's beautiful. This game doesn't just speak in a gaming sense. It speaks in a real life sense, you know, because yeah. you make the choice. It's up to you. Gene literally goes through a metamorphosis. You know, he's, he's kind of uh, in a cocoon and, and, and sprouts as a butterfly. You know, what's interesting is I thought that the choices that you have to make in this game are really <laughs> the one choice that you make at the end. I, I immediately thought, it. I'm going to be a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. In the infamous games, there were always very clear good versus evil choices. Like, you obviously knew what was good and what was bad, right? And you picked the, the choice that you wanted to make, but... This game is interesting because it's not so clear-cut. You know, what's the right choice here? <laughs> it's hard to say. When you have a decision like this, and it's not so clear-cut, I think that adds to the richness of the overall narrative. I, I think that... Um, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> it literally derailed and crashed. I apologize. But, you know, when you have clear-cut decisions like this, you obviously know which path you want to take. But when it's not so clear... You're faced with not just what choice do you want to make in the game, but you're faced with your own moral dilemma, and that's why I think this is so powerful. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, I guess kind of getting into overall execution, okay? Obviously, the graphics are beautiful. I mean, so mm -hmm. beautiful. I don't know what else to say about it than, like, God, this game. You, you play this, you're like, this is on a PS4? This stands up to the PS5 graphics. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, and I, and I bet mm -hmm. this plays even better on a pro than it did on, on my wimpy PS4, but... <laughs> oh, brother, when I come out there, I will show you Ghost of Tsushima on the pro, brother. Unless I have a PS5 by then, then we'll just play it on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see this game get uh, get a, a treatment for PS5, where it's it's kind of... Because it's right there at the end. I, I kind of feel like that's expected, kind of like with The Last of Us Part Two. 
Um, I feel like there should be a PS5 re-release for this. But I think that they should give gamers who already have the game a choice to upgrade for, for a much uh, smaller fee than having to replay the game. But definitely a great... Like they did for Valhalla. It's only a 10... Oh, no. $10. Black Ops Cold War. It's only a $10 upgrade for Cold War. Yeah, Valhalla's free, I believe. But uh, Miles Morales yeah. and, and Cold War are both... Uh, Spider-Man are all, uh, I think, $10 upgrade. But... Uh, I'd love to see this game get remastered for PS5 and kind of like The Last of Us Part 1 did for PS4. Uh, and it's right there. And I, I, I think that that's definitely going to happen. And it would be a great opportunity for them to capitalize on the success of the game, get um, get a lot more people to play it that didn't play it for the first time. But I think that it would be better if they offered people who already have the game the upgrade fee as well. You know, even if I had to pay 20 I, I think that's reasonable. I, I would definitely pay to and, and include some extra content in that. Get some extra DLC or... I mean, the thing is, when you're playing, when you pay for an upgrade for a remastered game, you're not just playing the game again. You are literally playing a re-envisioned, not re-envisioned or reimagined, because there's no changes to the game. It's just remaster, more colorful, more fluid, looks more real. It's upgraded. It looks like, it's like, imagine playing Spider-Man 2 for the PS PS2, and then immediately playing Spider-Man for the PS4. You're right. Two completely different games. But the difference between the fluidity, the characters, the voice acting, everything is just so outstanding. It's like if you've played Tony Hawk's American Wasteland or Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on the old PlayStation 2, and then you get the remastered versions for the Xbox One, they're breathtaking. They're so much fun. And it's just, it's the same game. It just looks better. It feels better. It provides this feeling of nostalgia while also hitting all the bases for a fresh new experience. Yeah. Because even though it's the same game, you're still getting a new experience. You're experiencing the world of the game you're playing in a, with a new set of eyes. Right. No, definitely. And I love it. You know, as far as bugs and glitches go, there are some, but they're relatively few and far between. I think that the game is is nothing that a patch can't fix. and. In any way, nothing was frustrating or game breaking. Just some kind of unintentionally hilarious moments that you <laughs> you might come across. Oh, yeah. But overall, the game runs very smooth. Um, I don't really have any issues with the performance. It ran at a solid. Um, I don't think this game has a sixty FPS mode. I think it, it's just thirty, right? Uh, it honestly feels more like forty five. Forty five. There are there are moments in the game where it feels very smooth. So I would say 30 is not exactly doing it justice. I feel it's more 40, 45. And I'm holding my mic for those of you <laughs> who are curious. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. I'm just kind of adjusting it and playing with it. You can see me, hear me scratch it. <laughs> uh, evidently, it runs at, at 30 FPS. Really? So the game remains at a solid 30. Uh, yeah, they wanted to opt for, opt for a better, uh, better frame rate. And honestly, but you can't tell. Like some of the, like the the motion is so fluid that you, you know you'd be tricked into thinking that this is somewhere in between like a forty five. Just just a testament to the level of skill. But I'd love if, if we got you know like a, a remaster. I'd love to further to be like a performance mode where we got to see this game in uh, sixty fps, and then of course being able to like play fidelity it fidelity mode, dude. Yeah, and then be, being yeah. able to play it in four k as well. Well, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> dude. The day I'm able to get my hands on a PlayStation 5, ah, because I mean, of course, it's fun having a PC, but you don't get to experience, you don't get to experience all of these wonderful console titles because they didn't make. I don't think they released Ghost of Tsushima on the PC, did they? No, it's PS4 only. It's exclusive. No, 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 no. It's on Xbox too. No, it's it's exclusive to PS4. <laughs> I gotta look it up. I'm mad. <laughs> look it up. I'm looking at it right now. 
It is a PlayStation really? exclusive. Yes, sir. Uh, Sucker Punch. Oh. Sucker Punch usually does do PlayStation exclusives. Um, in fact, Cole from Infamous was one of the PlayStation All Stars. Sly Cooper games and Infamous games, I'm pretty sure, were only on Sony consoles. I'm dumb, dude. I'm so mad. I thought it was for X. I am so sorry, everybody. So I, you Xbox gamers out there are really missing out. <laughs> Send your send your hate tweets to at uh, Mr. Geo ninety six. This is <laughs> don't send it to the. This is why I'm a PlayStation gamer. <laughs> Obviously, like I, I I enjoy both. I think Console Wars as, as a concept is kind of dumb. I mean, you, you're gonna play based on what exclusives you like, but the exclusives that are released on PlayStation to me are the ones that are like the most solid, like ten out of ten, perfect, near perfect games. You know what I mean? Uh, God of War, yep. Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, the only exclusive that I really like on Xbox is the Halo series, and it's kind of taken a dip down too. It's not that good. Yeah, anymore. I hate, I hate Gears of War. Okay, you know, I have always hated Gears of War. It's disgusting to me. Um, and of course, a lot of you know the games that are supported on all consoles are fun, but PlayStation Four exclusives just have such a beauty. Spider Man. Hmm. Nah, Spider-Man's on the Wii, dude. <laughs> Spider-Man PS4 is on the Wii. <laughs> they, they made it in 2018 for the Nintendo they made, Wii. They made it I back for it. the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> it probably runs at like 5 FPS. <laughs> no, uh, I, was playing, uh, I was playing Other M, and I was actually surprised at how good the graphics looked for a Wii game. Oh, dude, the opening sequence between you and Mother Brain and the baby? Oh, my God. I was surprised. like Because a lot of Wii games are like look really shitty. But that game really pushed uh skyward sword and also just continuing piggybacking on other end the voice acting's terrible especially like when you wake up and it's time to go training and the doctor is just like okay samus let's go next door <laughs> samus what's <laughs> going on me. respond 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's probably not going to be... Uh, we're probably not going to say that together on the recording, but that's going to make it even more funny. Dude, the voice acting and the story in that game is so bad, but the gameplay is so much fun, dude. Oh, I'm so torn about that game. Yeah, But we're talking we're Ghost, talking of, Ghost Tsushima. of Tsushima. Our- but execution-wise, they did it almost flawlessly. It's such a good game. It. I love horseback riding in the game. Um, one of my favorite things to do in games with a horse and an, a bow and arrow is to fire your bow from the back yes. of the horse. They started it in Ocarina of Time, kept it going with Twilight Princess. They never did it in Skyward Sword. That would have been really cool if there were overworld enemies in the sky that you could have taken out yeah. with a bow. But in Ghost of Tsushima, you can literally start and gain an edge on fights from both standoffs and just riding in on horseback, jump and taking out the first Mongol with a bow. I love doing triangle for a critical hit from this from the sword, and time slows down for a brief second, and he goes, <laughs> "It's so fucking cool, dude." <laughs> Unfortunately, take <laughs> out. Sorry. Unfortunately, you can't um, you can't use a bow in midair, but I guess that's supposed to be more realistic. I don't think most people are capable of doing that, dude. Uh, yeah, no, they wanted to leave that to Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn, Assassin's Creed. Well, hey, I don't, I haven't gotten far in Horizon Zero Dawn yet. Don't spoil it for me. That's not a spoil that <laughs> you can use your bow in midair. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, glad that you're playing that though. There's a good reason. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very glad that you're playing that, and we'll talk about that later hint hint what was i gonna say okay also the the navigation system in this game so the game opts for a more hudless view of the world 
and there's no waypoints per se. Well, kind of. You can select options, but instead of being able to just see something clearly on a mini map or, you know, get like a beacon or whatever, instead this game opts for a much more subtle traversal system, uh, allowing you to uh, follow the wind and let the wind guide you in a very divine wind kind of way, kamikaze. It's it creates a much more immersive experience. Yes, and it's something that makes the game that much better and very kurosawa. <laughs> Kurosawa, we would like to play. <laughs> dude, I fucking love those commercials. Oh, dude, we're not going to talk about them. I'm glad they didn't make any stupid Switch commercials. But, <laughs> we uh, would but like to play. We would like that. Just, <laughs> just knocking on the, we would like to play. If if that happened, those two just show up at my house with a Wii, my face wouldn't be like, yeah, come on inside. I'd be like, oh, holy shit. Yes. Come inside now. Let's go. <laughs> No, for sure, dude. Um, I like the overall parkour system as well. I like the traversal mechanics. Being able to use the grappling hook is actually really fun. And and I love just how smooth the parkour is and the way that Gene kind of moves in between uh, different uh, uh, sections on the cliff face or onto uh, tree trunks and, and whatnot. I, I would have liked dedicated moments in the game where you can literally just literally just sit down and eat. Oh, <laughs> you know that's just like a tiny little, a tiny little detail, a tiny little detail that I would have liked to have had because I thought about that because you know you collect a lot of materials, you yeah, know, like hides and uh, different kinds of metals. You collect uh, food and stuff like that, and there are a bunch of side quests where you kind of. There's one side quest in particular where you literally have to go help a woman get her rice back from these Mongols that have taken it from her. Yeah, and uh, I was just like, I, I want to sit down with her and have a bowl of rice. I just why can't we just bull and have some rice? <laughs> did you um did you did you try to hunt any of the animals that weren't uh, predators like 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 the deer? I guess it's just the deer really. You can't you mm. you can't shoot the foxes. No, dude. The no nah, man. I just went through the story, but there were some times where I tried to take down bears. Bears. Bears are very hard to take out in this game. Bears and boars. Boar bears. BBs. Kunai. Kunai are the trick to dogs uh, or any predators. Dogs. Hawks, bears, and boars. Oh my! <laughs> oh, I love canoe knife. Canoe knife. Canoe knife. Kunai knives. There you go. Kunai knives. Yeah, you can call them kunai, knives. kunai knives. There are no shuriken in this game, but they do have kunai, which kunai were originally farming tools. So it actually kind of makes sense in the context of this game that Gene would be one of the characters who, one of the first, you know, Japanese to start utilizing those as, as, um, as weapons. Oh, yeah. And that was something that really happened. Oh, yeah. Like farmers, I guess, turned into you know became ninja and started using farming weapons. Um, the ninjato, as we know it, was not real though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. The katana, well, the katana was 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 the weapon of choice. I love uh, smoke bombs, the 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 sticky bombs. <laughs> sticky bombs are always a go to. It's like it's like sticky sticky grenades in uh, in Halo is is basically what they're like, and you know you just stick them to one enemy and they're like oh oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny, funny story to share. Uh, I know we're coming up on almost an hour here, but I got a funny little Halo story to share with you. I was playing um, Slayer on Halo 3, and there was a kid in my game on the enemy team, and his name was It in Megan Fox. I hit him with a plasma grenade, and he died, and the kill feed said, you stuck It in Megan Fox. And I was very <laughs> pleased with that outcome. I tried to kill him with plasma grenades like three or four times, just since we're talking about sticky bombs. That's Thought I'd awesome. share that. It's beautiful, dude. And I was like, yeah, I did. 
yeah, I did. That's like my friend who um, I, my cousin made his name, his nickname on on uh, video games, uh, Eight Babies. And I, I think I might have told you this before. I said this on the podcast before. But so basically, eight babies. So basically, every time you got killed, it'd be like you got killed by eight babies, or or you killed eight babies, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, God! I have so many jokes, but I can't tell them. I know we're I know we're a pretty loose podcast, but can't can't, can't, can't too far. You'll have to tell me can't. tell me off the air then. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll tell you off the air. So there's this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so a samurai walks into a bar. <laughs> it gets knocked out instantly. <laughs> okay, so as far as uh, general reception go, uh, obviously this game has gotten positive reviews all all across the board. I mean, there's there's not even a lot to criticize here. I think some of the side quest content was not as well received, but I thought it was all flawless. I even like some of the more uh, relaxing moments, the moments that like nothing were like you're just composing a haiku or, or sitting in a in an onsen, a hot spring. But uh. Uh, as far as sales go, this game was at the top of the download charts in both the States and Europe um, and was the best-selling physical game in its, in its first week of release in the UK. In Japan, this game was the best-selling game during its, its debut week, um, it has re- and it remained in the top 30 best-selling games for over 15 consecutive weeks. Worldwide, it is the PlayStation 4's fastest-selling first-party original IP debut. Congratulations, Sucker Punch. That is, that's yeah. huge. And that that means that they will be in business to create beautiful video games for years to come. Yeah, and I think we mentioned before, it got players voice in uh, the Game Awards 2020. It was it was what most players, and I think it was like by a margin of like 70% of people believed that, of players uh, voted for Ghosts of Tsushima. Which I kind of felt like Last of Us Part 2 really did get a bad rap against it. Um, I'm glad that Last of Us Part 2 won the Game Awards because it really deserved it. But this game would have honestly been just as equal uh, of a recipient on my end. Oh, yeah. Um, it did win. It did oh, win yeah. Best Art Direction as well. Um, I believe that uh, Kazi, uh, uh, Quasimodo. Quasimodo. I was gonna say Kazuya Nagai, but no, I believe it's it was the it, no it was it was his English actor Daisuke Tsuji. Uh, also got best performer, um, or, or he was nominated for he was nominated. Sorry, it was it didn't win, but it was it was nominated for best game direction, best narrative. Uh, it, like we said before, the Famitsu uh, awarded it the game awarded it game of the year, um, and. Still is uh, pending nominations in the uh, 2021 Dice Awards, so we'll see how that goes. Good, yeah. dude. If it wins, this is it's probably going to become one of the best story games of all time if it continues just picking up nominations and awards like this. Because yes, The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two were breathtaking, but Ghost of Tsushima is just satisfying in every way. The Last of Us Part Two left you very sad at the end of the game, very very sad, but it was beautiful and it was extremely well done. Yeah. Bro, this game won awards before it even came out. In 2018, it won special accommodation for graphics and for sound in the Game Critics Awards. How about that? But it is officially the first American game to win Famitsu's Game of the Year Award. So what an achievement. Yeah, Sucker Punch Sucker Punch will be celebrating this one for a long time. And if they don't make a sequel, then, I mean... <laughs> we riot. You know what I'm saying? But... 
Oh yeah. Oh god, this game was so great. So what do you what do you think? We kind of got into this a little bit earlier, but where could this game go in the future? Is there more DLC down the road? Um, because because we did get the Legends DLC, which is basically their multiplayer component. We kind of voiced our opinions on that. I liked it. I thought it was okay, but um, obviously the main the main story yeah. just completely outshines it for me. When you when you execute and perform a story this well, adding multiplayer is just kind of you know it's a bonus. I guess it's like. It, it, it's a bonus, but it's really nothing special because multiplayer is multiplayer. It's just a way for players to interact with each other, and it wasn't really as smooth as I wanted it to be. But that doesn't take away from the story from me yeah. at all. So, uh, in the future, I think I think that if they do make a sequel, they're going to have to execute the beginning of the game absolutely flawlessly, one hundred percent. But with this game, I don't think they should have a problem with that. I think Jin. I think they could do a whole adventure where he does take all of Japan and he can protect it from further Mongol invasions and they can add to the story and just make it so much more intense. I think they can play really, really hard on the fact that Jin is an outlaw and that he is a legend. He's the ghost of Tsushima and the game could focus a lot more on cornering you, trying to make you succumb to the pressure that's around you. But in doing so further like christening the name ghost of tsushima like the more adversaries you take down and the more challenges you face and best yeah the more legendary you become and by the end of the second game you could basically be a god to these people yeah <laughs> i think gene's well on his way to becoming a legendary hero like tarayori or any of the other uh legend legends that you play in the game through mm-hmm. but i i think a dlc story expansion of this game would be great but I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, I, I that would be absolutely astounding. I would love to see this game go. Like maybe the DLC could go into kind of the uh, uh, expanding to mainland Japan or something. But um, I'm really thinking that we're, we're really going to want to we're going to have to wait for a sequel if the sequel is announced. Which again, I think I think Sucker Punch would be dumb not to. Um, they if they didn't want to continue Gene's journey, they could really just do another game set in Kamakura Era Japan. I mean, it, I wouldn't be mad, but I would love to see. I would love to see Gene kind of move toward and, and uh, taking part in some of the other uh, parts of the Mongol invasion of Japan. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this game could go in a lot more places. I think I'm trying to think about what else they could do with the gameplay. <laughs> Maybe expanding the um, that your his already existing set of moves to be even better. But <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, like. There's so much you could do. Like they start, they start the sequel with all of your moves that you already have, and then they just add an entire new skill tree. Yeah, and it's like the art of the ninja. At that point, you can start to use shuriken. You can start to like do a lot more stealth. You start getting ninja garbs instead of you know armor and stuff like that. It would just, it would be. There's so much that they could do, but Ghost of Tsushima is an absolutely amazing experience. And Ash and I have both absolutely loved diving into this game. It is. Just, it's breathtaking. You're breathtaking. Honestly, I'm almost at a loss for words. Your mom goes to college. <laughs> that was uh, that was Keanu Reeves saying, "You're breathtaking." <laughs> no, you're breathtaking. <laughs> but yeah, no, this game kicks ass. If you haven't played it and you have a PlayStation Four, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. This game <laughs> is honestly one of the best <laughs> games I have ever played. It is phenomenal, and 
I can't get enough. Do better. Like, you know, the replayability on this is insane. I, I can't believe that I'm finding my, you know, I, I'm wanting to play through the entire story all over again. <laughs> yes, sir. And maybe just kind of breathe in the scenery a little bit more because I, like you, when I first started the game, I was kind of in a rush. You know, I was trying to try to get through it as quickly as possible the story. But part of that was also I just really wanted to get to the to get the ghost armor. And I really wanted to expand Jean's moveset yep. as a stealth. Uh, so that was that was that was kind of my my focus for but you don't end up this doesn't end up happening till two thirds into the game but <laughs> oh yeah uh, and some of the moments in this game just oh, I, I don't know if I'll ever get over Taka that was just horrifying no dude mm, fuck Koto for that dude honestly he just literally did it to set an example as punishment dude just... but but whenever you whenever you fight Koten at the end like it's just it's on dude you're like fuck this guy and you fight him yeah, in a dude. duel and you beat him and that bitch runs away so you go fight him on the ship and you... <laughs> and it is it is so so good i just remember feeling it and being like no fuck you i'm going to kill you oh yeah beheading him and leaving him to die on that ship was just the greatest feeling ever and I feel horrible for saying that, but it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. But what a well-developed villain, by the way. I mean, just mm-hmm. just amazing. Because he came across as someone who was not completely unreasonable. You know, in his very first cutscene with Lord Shimra, he's like, you know, you've you've done well, brother. I can tell that you've faced your whole life for this. You've trained your whole life for this, and you're a good warrior. You've won unwinnable battles. You know, so he's and he's smart and he's he, he took the time to learn the Japanese language and and train all of his warriors and their, their traditions and their customs. So what an awesome, well-developed character. But you, you just also hate his guts because fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's he's a really good villain. He kind of makes you feel for him a little bit. But in the end, the bitch is dead. What, what, what I like is in some of the lore that you've you know some of the records that you collect throughout the game there's this ongoing story with this japanese scribe who is um interviewing and, and talking with Koten over the course of that actually begins to admire him and his very last letter is basically like fuck you gene and your other other uh band of warriors who uh brought down the greatest man who ever lived and i was like damn yep this was a Japanese guy who yep. felt that way and, and felt that that uh, he was an awesome Lord Shimura. Again, just a really awesome character. Um, on one hand, you know he's your uncle and you love him, but on the other hand, you're like, dude, like you're stuck in the past. This is not right, you know. But even at the end, he didn't want to kill Gene. At the end, he he wanted neither one of them wanted to do what they had to do, and and Gene himself is an excellent character. I know we're kind of at the end here, but I just, just feel like we didn't really get into the characters. <laughs> Yuna? No, it's all good. It's all good. Dude, Yuna? Yep. Uh, Taka? Kenji. <laughs> Kenji. Uh, Co- yeah. no, I mean, we've already... Ke- Kenji, was, Kenji was cool. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was just, you know, the character who, who meant well, but just found himself in trouble all the time. And, and Sensei Ishikawa and Lady Masako, both of whom have deep flaws but ultimately are respectable characters who are with Gene till the end. We can't forget about Sensei Ishikawa. Yeah, a very deeply flawed man, but in, in the end, you know, in the end, a good, very, a good man. So. And I think the same thing with Lady Masako. Yep. And, and the character of Tomoe, who you get to find throughout the, the, who you get to interact with throughout the story. 
and I, I guess you didn't do the side quest, so you didn't really get to see Tomoe's story, but that's actually a really interesting conclusion. Yep. And then there's also the caretaker. What's uh Yuriko. Yuriko. There you go. If in oh, that's heartbreaking actually. Um mm-hmm. she helps you and, and she, she does the makes the poison for you, but um if you follow her side quest to its logical conclusion, I mean it, it is kind of sad. And there's those hint there's kind of that those hints of uh Alzheimer or Alzheimer's or dementia mm-hmm. throughout when you're playing through her her chain. Yep. So I saw it coming. But anyway, I guess we're kind of said all there is to say. Well, no, definitely not. There's so much more we could say, but we're running up on an hour here on part two. Uh, any final thoughts about Ghosts of Tsushima, Zach? Um, I think it's definitely a game that I will go through again and invest a lot of time in once I have, you know, room to breathe. But it's just, it's it, t- it took my breath away. The story is just incomparable to a lot of other games that just, you know, there, there have been a lot of games that I've played in my life where the story has just impacted and moved me like Skyward Sword, Fallen Order. But this game, the story is just impeccable. They, it's, it's definitely a glimpse into the future of the capability of games. And I'm very, very excited for what's to come. This game, it's a 9.5 out of 10 for me. The point five being that it's not longer. Yeah. You should really invest some time into it. Cause it's, it's a breathtaking experience. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to pretty much echo almost everything that you said, but uh, this game in terms of gameplay, in terms of story and direction, art, everything about it is just incredible. There's not a single thing that this game does bad or subpar in any way. It is the definition of um, an, an almost flawless game. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> if this isn't, then what is? And, and, and on top of that, it's fun. It's it's so fun. I found myself just completely addicted and wanting to play it more and more. I was wanting to play this early on in this season. You know, from that very opening segment, I was like, I was just blown away and I kept wanting to play more. And so I'd sneak a little bit in, even though I was supposed to be playing something else for the upcoming episode, because God, this game was good. I think I got pretty much into act two before, you know, we actually started preparing for this episode. And so that was good. I, I've been playing the hell out of this. I even played a little bit just now, you know, kind of started over in easy mode to see how qu- quickly I could get through the story you know, just just really quickly. <laughs> yep, and even really quickly, it will take about three or four days. Yeah, if you're grinding, right? It's a long, it's a long game, and that's that you have to dedicate like five or six hours a day to just grinding the main story. It's it's a long one, but it's good. It's well worth the time. But I found myself lost in it. Like I I would play for hours. I could play all day and and <laughs> still have shit to do. And it was it, it just ah, oh. and 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 I can say I beat this game at a hundred percent. I did everything that this game had to offer in the in the first playthrough and all of it was worth it i had an amazing time with it tracking down some of those last few collectibles was kind of a chore but at the same time i'm glad that i did yeah because you never have to do it again and also you have it it's done done yes it's done <laughs> just like this podcast episode here and about whenever <laughs> Alrighty. well you can find collateral gaming where Ever you get your podcasts, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, um, anywhere else. We're focusing on getting on even more platforms. If there's somewhere where we're not, let us know. You can find us on social media channels at Seagaming Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Seagaming Podcast on Facebook as well, or just search up Collateral Gaming. You'll find us. We are on YouTube, which is where we are releasing our Patreon content. 
You have to subscribe to the Patreon, um, but any amount will give you uh, links to our YouTube playlists where you can check out our Let's Play video game commentaries. Uh, we have a lot of fun with those. We're also getting some of our video podcasts out on YouTube over time. I uh, hope that I'll have more time to do that in the future. And what can we expect next on Collateral Gaming? My friends, we are going to be talking about Metroid Fusion. Yes. <laughs> and that is exciting because that is the first Metroid game I ever played. And I am very, very much looking forward to this discussion. It's going to be a two-parter. And that's okay because we're going to have a lot to say. And you're not going to want to miss it. So when we get it out take a gander hell yeah i'm really excited too because metroid fusion is one of my favorite metroid games as well I, i've always found myself just really lost in that game and wanting to play more and more and more and more it's just that every time i've ever played it uh, <laughs> i've always had like a crash or something like my emulator i i i you stopped working but that being said um i have played quite a bit of it through through it now on the virtual console i have a legitimate copy and um, I've pretty much almost got through most of the game in a day. So <laughs> besides yes, all sir. of the extra stuff. And I'll, I'll 100% it for sure. But we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, now, we did promise that we were going to do Apex Legends. So in keeping to that promise, because this was kind of a last-minute swap out, uh, we are going to be doing a bonus round focused on Apex. Uh, just so we can say that we talked about it. We just felt that... It wasn't going to be as fun for us to do like a whole kind of two-parter on it. And um, we really felt that a, a, a game like... We, we haven't actually done a full episode on a Metroid game yet. So it was kind of the perfect opportunity to do that. Yeah, and Apex Apex is a game where we don't really need two parts to cover the whole thing. We can... Honestly, I'm thinking that me and Ash could probably play the game while we're recording. Like while we're podcasting, we can both set it up and just play apex yeah maybe. yeah yeah that would be cool actually it would be an interesting experiment um following that because that, that'll be coming up in march we're kind of running a little bit late on our schedule as planned but after that is, is april which of course as y'all know is our 420 month so we'll go ahead and announce it right now our 420 special is going to be minecraft <laughs> yes yes and uh we're also going to be talking about uh uh, Mortal Kombat because the Mortal Kombat movie is coming up so we're doing kind of a collaboration which was originally planned in January but the movie was moved so the Mortal, new Mortal Kombat movie is supposed to come out in April so we're going to be doing a collaboration with Collateral Cinema where we talk about it, uh, that movie we're going to do an at the movies episode but we're also going to talk about on the flip side we're going to do a Mortal Kombat 11 episode um, and I think we'll also have like kind of a bonus round uh, focused around that as well this to keep in the spirit. So that's all planned for April. We've got a tight schedule, but we're uh, we're working to, to kind of get that out and make sure that we have some kind of content to produce weekly. If you didn't check out our previous collaboration with Collateral Cinema on movie tie and video games, that's out on our podcast platforms right now. Uh, Bo and I really got into uh, something that's the opposite of what we usually do, which is which is uh, movies based on games. We did games that were based on movies, and that was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of our favorites and a lot of the more shitty ones. Other than that, guys, we hope that y'all are staying safe. We hope that you are uh, having fun. Staying healthy. Staying healthy, yep. <laughs> staying happy. Yeah, there was something else I was going to say, and I forgot. Oh, Collateral Cinema, yes. Speaking of Collateral Cinema, uh, we're going to have our anniversary special out on Gozu. That should already be out by the time that this is out, so go check that out. Um, Zach wants to be on uh, one of our upcoming episodes. Yes, God, we're going to talk about Hot Tub Time Machine! Yes. 
Oh, I love that movie so much. I can't wait. And, and if you didn't check out our last episode on Mulholland, oh, man, it's gonna be a good time. Mulholland Drive, David Lynch's Mulholland Drive, that's out as well. Um, I guess we're kind of at it now. So um, anything else to, to say to our audience? No, nah, man. They have received my words of wisdom, and they will take them, or they will not. <laughs> Their decision. All right, folks. Well, you heard it there. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I am Jin Sekai. I'm just kidding. I'm Zachary Gio. And we are Collateral Gaming. We are out. Sayonara. Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.